These are the confidential counsels which Yahuwah gave to Yeshua HaMashiach. What, did anyone else want to say anything on this before we move on? Because we have two chapters of Revelation to get through, and I want to a lot of great content in Revelation tonight, even though they're shorter chapters. Does anyone have anything more on John? Okay, well then, uh, speak now forever, hold your peace. With that, we will be moving on. So let us go ahead and start with the Hebrew revelation and what's great is that i will be uh, uh scrubbing out my last introduction anyways because i think i call it the hebrew gospel of revelation but this is uh hebrew revelation or as i was explaining the confidential counsels of yahuwah or you could say yahusha uh the word revelation never appears in the hebrew document so I, I love the word confidential, confidential counsels way better. And with that, I'm going to be handing it over to Michael, and he will be reading chapter, I believe we're on chapter four now. Yes, we are. So this is the confidential counsels of Yahuwah, chapter four. And after this, I saw that a door was open in the heavens. The first voice which I heard that spoke with me, like the voice of a shofar, said to me, I'm here and I want to show you what will happen after this. And for, forthwith, and immediately the Ruach HaKodesh rested on me, and I saw a throne sitting in the heavens, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat on it, his appearance was like the appearance of the stone, sapphire and jasper, and around the throne was a bow like turquoise. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and twenty-four elders sat on them, clothed with white garments, and on their heads was a crown of gold. And from the throne there went out voices and thunders and lightnings. And there were seven lamps before the throne, and they are the seven rukot of Yahweh. And before the throne was a sea of glass, like the appearance of crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes at their front and at their back. And the first living creature was the appearance of a lion, and the second like an ox, and the third like a man, and the fourth like an eagle. And each one had six wings. Also from the inside they were filled with eyes. And they do not have rest day or night, but say continually, Kodesh, Kodesh, Kodesh is Yahweh Savaot, the mighty, who was and is and will be. And when the living creatures give lauding and thanksgiving to him who sits on the throne, who lives from everlasting and unto everlasting, the 24 elders fall down before him and pray to him, who lives from everlasting and unto everlasting. And they cast their crowns before him and say, Adon, you are worthy to receive honor and glory, for you created everything, and by your will everything was made. We'll hand it off to Noel for commentary. So there is thunder in this chapter. And I have a feeling the thunder comes from the throne of the Most High. And I have the feeling that Rob, Michael, or I will be stealing each other's thunder in this chapter. There's, I, I'm really excited that I get to talk about this first. I have, you know, a few pages worth of notes here, and I'm just going to be picking, kind of cherry picking one little thing to start with, and then I'll just, next go around, I'll, I'll figure out what else to talk about. But let's just start with the beginning, verse one. And this right here, uh, it's a very popular verse in, in the church. And after this, I, uh, or especially amongst dispensationalism and other groups. And after this, I saw that a door was open in the heavens. And the first voice, which I heard that spoke with me, like the voice of a shofar, said to me, 
come here or come up here and I want to show you what will happen after this. This is one of like Hal Lindsey's ferret verses because this speaks to the pre-trib rapture crowd. We have just gone through uh, chapters 1, 2, 3 in Revelation, which speaks of the seven churches, and this is often seen as the church age. The church age now apparently has come to an end, and the church is being raptured out of here and taken up to heaven. Now, when you come over to Torah, when you come over to Torah pursuant obedience, you could call it Hebrew roots, you can call it whatever you want. There's, there's general, there's uh, certain doctrines that you immediately kind of chuck out and you come over. And one of those is you get rid of pre, the preacher rapture. It's almost unanimous across the board that if you are Torah pursuant, that you no longer believe that the, there is a rapture that happens at the beginning before the wrath. And th uh, I agree with many of those points uh, that they you know, bring to light. Like, you see the children of Israel, you know, look at them going through the wilderness. Look at them going through the plagues of Egypt. They were protected from them, but they went through it. Okay, So I am not advocating that we will be removed before Yah's wrath comes on the earth. However, I am now shifting back to the position that there is something to be had here that the um, the the children of Yahuwah, the sons of Yasharil, those who were found in Yahusha, were actually taken away. And I'll be talking more about this this coming Thursday. Y'all willing, I will have my presentation ready on 70 AD. And we say the word 70 AD, but it really should be the year 67 AD because 67 AD is when it really went down. And I will be giving it, I won't be doing this tonight, but I will be giving a presentation on why I believe Yahusha's words were fulfilled to the people he promised them to, and he came back for them. What does it mean that he came back for them? They experienced the resurrection uh, of the dead, but also the resurrection of those who were living, and they were taken away from the earth. You call it a rapture, you call it whatever you want. Snatched away, I really don't care. They were taken away, and, and they were taken up to paradise. And um, so I, I kind of, I look at this, and I'm, I'm I, I don't I'm not gonna fight it anymore. I think that there's something to be had there. That it that his being taken up to this doorway up in heaven, we could talk if if Robert Michael doesn't cover it, I'll I'll maybe touch more on the door. But let me just talk about a little bit. I'm gonna throw in here, I put this in my notes and now I don't even remember what this says. So I will be just as I will be discovering this verse right alongside of you guys. This comes from Psalm seventy three twenty four. What does this say? Um you lead me by your counsel, and afterwards receive me unto esteem. Okay, so that was, I, I think I put that in there because it actually uses the word counsel. I'm actually excited the BibleBot uh, didn't change the word because it does it all the time, BibleBot. But, you know, so we're, here we are, confidential counsels, and, you know, by his counsel, he receives me. This is exactly what has just happened to John. He, you know, Yahusha has a confidential counsel with his father, and he has just received John and brought him up. So, uh, to esteem. I thought that was really cool. But in throughout scripture, we see all sorts of people who were taken up to heaven. We see, we see it. It's not just everybody knows Enoch and Elijah, but as I've talked about often in my studies and shown in my, uh, my studies, we need to consider Ezekiel, Isaiah, Baruch, 
the first Michelle Zedek, and I don't, uh, by the way, I also think Shem as well. I am building a case. Shem was what I would call the second Michelle Zedek. The first Michelle Zedek was before the flood, but I think that Shem was taken as well. Uh, and countless others who ascended to heaven before the flood, there were anywhere from dozens to hundreds of people, I believe, who ascended up to paradise. Afterwards, we see Sirach, the daughter of Asher, that is found in Genesis 46 of the Targum. Let me see if I can pull it up really quickly. Um, and it says, unfortunately, I have to read this out of a book, and I don't have the, um, ah, well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Anyways, it's there. It is there in Genesis chapter 46 in the Targum that the daughter of Asher, her name is uh, S-E-R-A-C-H, Sirach, was taken up to paradise. And I also believe that uh, Yahusha fulfilled his promise. I don't. I really don't think this is overcomplicated. People call me names and all sorts of stuff. It's really not that we we shouldn't overcomplicate this. He said to his disciples that he was coming back for them. He said that he didn't say for a future generation. He said he's coming back for them. And so I think that this is the point where it, it happens. And with that, I'll hand it back over to uh, I guess Rob. Okay. Yeah, I want to hear more about the door, what you got from the door at all. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address six topics, and the first part I'll do three. Uh, one, I'll, I didn't go into the door, so that's why I'm interested in what you got from the door. The door of heaven open and a voice like a shofar speaking. We see many times this voice that's described as a shofar as uh, was it waves? Also, I, I, I recall reading the description of the voice that comes from the Father as like the flutterings of the Sepharim's wings, the six wings. So there's there's this vibrational type of uh, sound coming from his voice. So it's pretty pretty amazing. Um, I'm going to read read through this and point out some parts. That, uh, that are going to give a little bit more insight to some of the words. And this is just what I find on them. Take it for how you, how you think and do your, do your own research and how this, how this comes together. But I just want to share what I found. So the one sitting on the throne, appearance like sapphire and jasper. And we see this in multiple places that the appearance of the throne of Yah is related to, to sapphire. And we see Jasper here. And then it says the bow-like turquoise around the throne. So you see these colors of this, this uh, deep or medium blue and a Jasper and turquoise. So that aquamarine look coming from this, the, the throne. And also the lightning, the thunderings, and the voices coming forth from the throne. So whether you want to call it a, you know, probably the most powerful energy source, period. And... What's what what comes forth from the it a powerful energy source, but light, vibration, etc. So just picture that, and I think that's what he is describing here. So another point on the sapphire of the throne is that we read in uh, the targums that it speaks to two objects that came from the throne, and here in Deuteronomy thirty-one eighteen, first part. And he gave to Moshe 
when he had finished to speak with him in Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of sapphire stone from the throne of glory. So we see here uh, in Deuteronomy from the Targums, it's describing that the sapphire stones were originated from the throne of glory. And then I'll read about the other one, and that is the rod. Moshe took the rod which he had brought away from the chamber of his father-in-law, and it was from the sapphire throne of glory, Exodus 40, 20, uh, 4, 20. So two objects that we see related to the throne, they were of sapphire, and we see here that uh, it, it totally relates to the throne of Yah. So it was obviously ordained and given to Moshe. Uh, the, the last part, I want to address the 24 thrones and 24 elders in white garments with crowns of gold. As, uh, as I pointed out before in uh, our prior chapters, the white garments, the references, when one is told or spoken about of having white garments in this scenario, it always represents the righteousness that they are worthy, they're overcomers, and they're in the book of life, those that wear white garments. And I put the verses relating to them down. The crowns of gold that they have. We read in Psalms 21, 2 through 6. What are these? It says, You have given him his heart's desire, and you have not withheld the request of his lips. We were just reading it, right? Selah. For you meet him with the blessings of good things. You set a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked for life from you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you place upon him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with the joy of your presence. So I believe that verse here is, is describing, you know, what we're seeing here with the 24 elders on the 24 thrones. They're wearing white garments. They have the crowns of gold. So I just want to speak to the, the, the symbolism and the, and the description of what is being portrayed to us and try to give it a little bit more context of what we're seeing. So I will pass this along, and when we circle around, I'll get to the second part. Michael? Sure. Um, so I only have a few parts in this first part. I'm going to call an audible based on what Noel was saying. Um, I'm going to add more to what he was saying. Um, to where, and it, you know, I'm, very, I'm looking forward to that Thursday study, if he's going to be talking about the saints that were taken away. Um, but it made me think of... Um, whether you you know take this as scripture or not, but the book of Jasher 65, um, I recommend reading the whole thing. I'm going to try to do my best to summarize it. I will put it in here. But um, summarize, it's basically talking about Pharaoh and the king of Egypt and the elders of Egypt. Israel's there as their slaves, and they're they're trying to enslave them even more. And um, basically, the elders come up to Pharaoh and ask him, you know, how can we do this? And basically what, what he tells them, let's see, let's see exactly what he says. Let's see, 12. And when some of the children shall come build with you, you shall give them their wages daily for a few days. And after they shall have built with you for their daily hire, drag yourselves away from them daily, one by one in secret. Then you shall rise up and become their taskmasters and officers. And you shall leave them afterward to build without wages. 
And should they refuse, then force them with all your might to build. So what they, they're doing is they're, they're working with them to build these cities, and they're using the same tactics that our governments use today of an outside threat. We got we to have our protection, guys. Let's, let's, you're one of us, right? This patriotism. And then these Egyptians are paying their wages daily, which is what the Torah says, right? And then slowly dragging away. And then you keep reading, and I'm probably going to do a horrible job of summarizing, but number 20, and when Egypt and all the children of Israel heard that all the servants of Pharaoh had spoken, there came from the Egyptians and children of Israel to build with the servants of Pharaoh, Pithom and Ramses, but none of the children of Levi came with their brethren to build. So the whole point of this little uh, audible is the children of Levi. Um, and I'll continue on 33 and 34. It says, For all the children of Levi knew that the Egyptians had spoken all these words with deceit to the Israelites. Therefore, the children of Levi refrained from approaching to the work with their brethren. And here's the kicker. And the Egyptians did not direct, direct their attention to make the children of Levi work afterward, since they had not been with their brethren at the beginning. Therefore, the Egyptians left them alone. What? So the set apart that those who knew the deception were left alone by Egypt. So I just want to encourage you guys that, you know, there's a possible if we continue this walk that we might be left alone or taken or our pots out or whatever Noel might be talking about on Thursday. So I thought that was an awesome uh, um, tie into what he said. Um, so now we'll get to the revelation. Um, like I said, I'm going to cut mine in half, but uh, I just want to talk about that, you know, I was mentioning John and how I thought the Greek might have done a better job, but in this chapter, I would say the Hebrew does a better job. And it's talking, you know, just some of the words that are used, shofar, again, Ruach Kodesh, thrones, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahuwah Savayot, you know, I think it does a way better job than the Greek. Um, I'm just going to do two two notes real quick. Uh, number three, I'll read it. So in he who sat on it, his appearance was like the appearance of the stone, sapphire and jasper, and around the stone was a bow like turquoise. And I love this verse, and I apologize if Rob said this already, but Revelation 21, 11, 19, and 20. Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a valuable stone, like a stone of crystal, clear jasper. The foundation stones of the city wall were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third Chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth Sarda, Sardinox, the sixth Sardis, seventh Chrysolite, and the eighth Beryl, the ninth Topaz, and continuing. And I know Noel put that, the beautiful images, and that's just amazing if that's what is going to be, you know, coming out from that from that New Jerusalem. Um, and, and Rob was so close to stealing my thunder, but he didn't. Uh, so thank you for that. Number four, um, and around the thrones were 24 thrones and 24 elders sat on them clothed with white garments and on their head was a crown of gold so we'll go with a cross-reference james 1 12 blessed blessed is a man who perseveres under trial for once he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the lord had promised of those who love him we've already talked about how you love him um persevering under trial right you're refining yourself and then you will receive the crown of life which is what what number four is talking about but i wanted to focus on 24. we talked about this like a long time ago in the that hebrew john study but uh 24 is an interesting number so the priesthood was divided into 24 divisions first chronicles 24 3 through 19. the magicians serving in the temple were divided into 24 divisions first chronicles 25. and finally solomon had 12 officials first kings 4 1 through 6 for the administration of his government 
and 12 deputies he provided for his household for each month of the year for a total of 24. I don't think that's any coincidence um, that Yahuwah would have the same thing as, a, as on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I'm going to stop there. I still have some more, but I'll hand it off to Noel. Yeah, so I dropped in here when you guys were talking about the 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 you know the turquoise you know emerald lights that surround the throne, and I put in the northern lights. And I'm going to put in one more here of the northern lights. This one is really interesting because this is on an AE map, and so uh, come on, an AE map, go in there. So when you actually pull up a an AE map. And you, the North Pole, of course, is in the center of the Earth, and it spreads out from there. You can actually see that this, these northern lights surround the Earth in a circle. Amazing how that works. Now, I don't actually, when it comes to the, the maps up in the north, this I don't want to go too off topic tonight, but I don't even trust maps like this because some of the biggest issues we have with the international dateline happen to be up in the north for the north where they have to kind of stitch things together to make it work because I actually think the north is much larger in this area. And you can actually see here where it's a little thicker over there on the left and a little thinner on the right. And I think that's part of it. Uh, particularly, yeah, because that's over on the Canadian-Russian side and that's where they you could see the international dateline, that red line, and it's kind of like a zigzag. It's like, well, that's weird. How does that work? And th that's a whole other study right there on how they're actually... Uh, this map is, they're actually make they're hiding uh, a lot of space or land from us up there. And also in terms of the the moon map, and I know people who are tuning into this Revelation study right now on YouTube land who don't have a clue what I'm talking about, I apologize. But if we, <laughs> if we look at a much larger moon map, because uh, I think that this is a, I do believe, this is my theory, that th these Northern Lights are a reflection from the throne of the Most High up in heaven, uh, right above the firmament, or really up in the seventh heaven. And I, I have a theory that this this circle here actually moves, that it's not just there all the time, that it may actually move around through the years on the much larger Earth. That's, that's a whole other... Some of you will be able to visualize what I'm talking about immediately. Uh, and this is, of course, why, you know, rainbows are are circular because they're taking on the shape of the firmament and i think this is what we see here so i wanted to throw that in so i want to get back to the the 24 elders and and, and rob really covered this well um i don't have much to, to add to this but there's there's a lot of different theories on what the 24 elders are and many people believe that it's a part of Yahuwah's entourage, his divine council. Now, it, they are a part of his entourage, but in terms of the divine council, that these are uh, pre-existing uh, Elohim, angelic beings that were created in the beginning that are there in front of his throne. So let me give another passage that will uh, lend to that theory. This comes from Daniel 7.9. And Daniel says, I was looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days was seated. So he is actually, well, let me just finish this. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like clean wool. His throne was flames of fire, its wheels burning fire. And so here we see that uh, Yahuwah is, he's setting up court. He's sitting on his throne, and other rulers, uh, celestial, spiritual beings, rulers, are setting up their thrones, and they're about to have a meeting, and they're about to discuss, you know, cosmological 
uh, matters of cosmological importance. Then we move on. So that's one theory, which I do, just so everyone knows, I do believe that there are other divine beings, other Elohim, that are up there uh, ruling with him in thrones. However, I'm not quite sure that's the context of what Yochanan, John, is talking about in Revelation. So to get a better context of what I think he is talking about, I think it's kind of creepy because I think one of those people sitting on the thrones is John. I think he's seeing himself. Maybe he doesn't recognize himself yet, but I think he's seeing himself in a vision. Um, and here we see in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, and Yeshua said to them, or Yahusha said to them, truly I say to you, and he's speaking to his disciples, when the son of Adam sits on the throne of his esteem, you who have followed me, I just lost it. Oh, you who have followed me in the rebirth shall also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Yasharel. So, and I think that this is where the transition is happening. We have just uh, seen the churches who are to persevere until the end. That end has come. I believe that uh, we are seeing a transition where now the disciples, uh, they have been brought up and they are sitting. There's 12 of them. There's 24 thrones in all, and I'll get to the others. But there are 12 of them that are now sitting on these thrones, and they are sitting down to judge uh, the tribes of Israel. Let's see what I got here. This is Luke 22, and I hope it's verse 30. Uh, and Yahusha is again speaking to his disciples, and he says, uh, the, To eat and drink at my table in my reign, and to sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Yasharel. So there we see it in two different Gospels. Um, let me see what I got here in Ezra. I wrote down this for some odd reason. I'll be just as surprised as you are to read this. And it says here, let me try. The, sometimes like the, they have like, it's a broken sentence. So I'm going to try verse 16 through 17. Then the children of Yasharel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the sons of the exile did the dedication of this house of Elah with joy, and offered at the dedication of this house of Elah 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Yasharel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Yasharel. Oh, for some reason, I thought that was a really cool verse at the time. I take that back. Uh, 21, let's see, Revelation 21.12, we read, uh, this is, of course, the context is New Jerusalem, New, new Yerushalayim. And it is having a great and high wall, having 12 gates, and at the gates 12 messengers and names written on them, which are those of the 12 tribes of the children of Yasharel. Now, I wish I wrote down, I think there's another one in Revelation where it says that the name of the, the, the 12 are also on it. So I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build a case that there are uh, 12. Uh, tribes of Israel and 12 disciples and somehow I kind of feel like all of them are represented by these 24. I I would not be in the least bit surprised. I can't back this up with scripture. Uh, this is where uh, Noel is not saying thus saith the Lord. It's just Noel giveth his opinion that I have a, I have this like, I, if I had put my money on it, I feel like the 12 patriarchs, the sons of Yasharel, uh, that for some reason that they're sitting on these other thrones. So that would include Joseph, Benjamin, Levi, 
uh, Ruben, you know, just go down that list. And uh, that they're sitting on 12, and then there's the other 12. There's one last thing before I, because I have so many notes here. I have pages of notes. So there's one other thing I did want to bring up. This comes from the Exodus Targum. You know what? I'm going to get back to this because i got to find this. I don't want another embarrassing moment of reading the Targum and not finding it. So I'm going to hand it back over to Rob, and then I'll touch on this next time. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. So uh, as people post questions in here, I've seen a few. At the end, when we finish this, please bring them back up if, as they scroll way up uh, and, and ask again, please. Uh, I'm going to share the second part, the other three points that I'm going to discuss a little bit more uh, for this chapter. And I'm going to drop that in for everyone to see. So I'm going to point, I'm going to start with the seven lamps, which are the seven ruach of Yahweh. And, and before I get into that, we see when we're talking about seven spirits of Yahuwah, we see that seven seems to be the spirits tend to travel in packs of seven when we are uh, talking about them. So you can check them out in Matthew 12, 45, Luke 82, Luke eleven twenty six. When they're talking about uh, evil spirits, uh, primary is, is what these references are. They're in referenced in packs of seven. So I think there is something to that. To me, I'm taking it as in a pack of seven is like a completeness, fullness of the spirits. You have, you have them all. You're a full, full of it, whether it's positive or negative. Because we see the the seven seven ruach of Yahweh. They're listed in Isaiah 11, 1 through two, and the different ones are the spirit of Yahweh, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding. Spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of Yahweh. So, the seven spirits, whether it's specifically these named ones here, uh, it seems to be a completeness of spirits that are surround him, as mentioned as seven lamps, the lights that go forth from Yahweh. So, so with that being said, that was all I had on it. I know I have more. I even. Uh, plugged in a few verses. I have more of that, but I didn't get uh, in depth that I wanted to. It would probably took a lot. But I wanted to share that, just to give you an idea seven, about the seven spirits, because as we talk more and more in Revelation, I will dig deeper into that, get further uh, depth on them. The next part is the sea of crystal glass. And here it's just described as crystal glass, but when we get to 15, chapter 15, it's also going to say it's a sea of crystal glass mixed with fire. So, before the throne. So I wanted to share, go back to the shepherd of Hermes on his third vision regarding the tower. And in that vision, we're, we're seeing a tower built by six men, which are angels. And it was being built upon a square in the, in, in the, in the water. Okay? A moat, if you will. And uh, each of the stones fit exactly so that the tower, when, when it was complete, it was like one stone. It was one tower complete when they finished, uh, when they got, got to that point to finish. And what I wanted to point out is that there was water around it, okay? So this tower is being built. It is one, and there's water around it. 
And I envision this as symbolically to an example of the throne where you have a sea of glass around it and at the center or, at, or up upon it is the throne. And if we were to look at it that way, uh, we know in this vision of Shepherd Hermes, when he's describing what is the water, what does the water represent? The water was what the saints are saved by. So they had to go into it to be baptized, basically. You're, that's what you're going through the water to then be put into the tower. For it is founded by the word and the power of God, what was described. And the stones that were near the water are those who heard the word and were willing to be baptized in the name of Yah, but knowing the righteousness the truth requires, went through and walked after their wicked lusts. So they were, you know, in this in this vision, those stones did not did not go into the water because they knew the righteousness that was required. And those that were going through were being you know, immersed and walking righteously and being part of this tower. So I, I just wanted to pull that in as kind of a uh, what I envisioned when I was looking at the sea of glass around the throne uh, uh, as a representation that we coming to the throne, we have to go through the sea that is uh, crystal glass mixed with fire. So that fire baptism, you know, we talk about the water baptism, then we got to be baptized fire and water that's that's what came to me when i read this i just want to pull that together and share it and lastly the four living creatures full of eyes on the front so these 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 creatures they describe it as describe them as a lion an ox a man an eagle and perhaps uh these are seraphs as described in isaiah 6 2 uh but or or perhaps a Another type of seraph uh, being described. They have six wings full of eyes, and they pray. They sing praises to the one that's on the throne. I see very similarities to them and the cherubim that are spoken to, spoken about in Ezekiel one four through twenty eight. A lot of similarities to the cherubim because uh, over uh, over the over the heads of the cherubim. When we read Ezekiel, it, it, it describes sapphire stone that has an appearance of a sapphire stone o over their heads. So obviously there's a tie-in that they are related and they are coming from the throne of Yah. And they may very well, well, they, they are a, a different type of uh, angelic being. So just wanted to pull what I had and what I saw from these specific topics. And then uh, I'd like you guys to share more and give, give some more input. Yeah, thank you. Um, I only have a few left on chapter four, so I'll be real, real quick. Um, I want to read number five. So I guess I'll read the Hebrew. And, and from the throne there went out voices and thunders and lightnings, and there were seven lamps before the throne, and these are the seven rukot of Yahweh. And surprisingly, I'm not even going to talk about the seven rukots. Um, I want to talk about thunders and lightnings. And... You know, if you do a word study on thunders and lightnings, um, Yah thundered when he originally gave the law in Exodus 19.16. And he thunders again to judge those who have broken law in Psalms 29.77.18. Um, also, I want to show that this is similar to the way Yah warned Egypt, Exodus 9.23-28, those judgments again being re replayed here in Revelation. So, uh, if you remember in... 
Revelation or Confidential Councils 1, I opened with the amount of times that Revelation was quoting the Old Testament. In my opinion, this is just another one. It's possible uh, what Rob was saying as well with Ezekiel's wheel and the cherubs. Um, number six, uh, I want to read both. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And then in the Hebrew, and before the throne was a sea of glass, like the appearance of crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes at their front and at their back. And, you know, we've been hitting around this, but uh, the living creatures. So um, I thought that was interesting that they replaced beasts with living creatures. Um, and like I said before, I'm not reading ahead in Revelation, so I'm wondering if it's the mark of the living creatures. Uh, maybe you guys can, you know, spill the beans there in the chat if that's what it is. Um, if it is, would that change your mind on what the mark of the beast is? I don't know. Um, and what would that be? So I'm asking you guys in the audience. Um, and I thought it was interesting that the living, a man is within the living creature. I don't know what that means, but I, I thought it's like a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. Um, I know man was made in the sixth day with all the animals as well. Again, don't have much more to add to that part, but um, you know, I'll throw that to the audience. I just wanted to make those comments. And finally, um, number eight, and then I'll pass it off to Noel. Um, let's see, I want to read both here. So, and the four beasts, so it says beasts here. Oh, that's Greek, never mind. Um, had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Hebrew says, and each one had six wings, also from the inside. They were filled with eyes. And they do not have rest day or night, but say continually, Kodesh, 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 Yahweh Savot of the mighty, who was and is and will be. Um, I want to read uh, Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. Um, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, and each had six wings, with two each covered his face, and with two each covered his feet, and with two each flew. And one called out to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. So, you know, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, and kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Um, so it seems it's somewhat talking about that as well. And there was something else I wanted to say on that part. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Um, they do not have rest day or night. So they're, they're not keeping Sabbath? Like, what are they doing up there? My, my guess would be... Um, if it has something to do with the 24 and the 24 elders, they're just in shifts, maybe. And so as a unit, they don't rest day or night. That's all I got for Revel or Revelation chapter 4, Confidential Councils. I'll hand it off to Noel. Okay, are you guys ready for this? This is that the the verse I teased earlier. It's It's not that phenomenal. But this is just a reference I found in... Today's Torah portion, actually, um, uh, when we were reading through it in Exodus chapter 9, this comes from the Targum. And when Pharaoh is speaking to Moses or Moshe, he says this, Intercede before Yahuwah, that with him it may be enough, and there may be no more ma uh, maledictory thunders nor hail from the presence of Yahuwah. So I thought that was really cool that the Pharaoh is actually saying these thunders in one of the plagues, the plague of the hail, that is just tearing up the sky, that this is actually coming from the presence of Yahuwah. So we see that we see that connection here in the throne room that is surrounded by thunder. And as Rob 
pointed out that this is really Yahuwah's character. This is it's when we pers- I, I love lightning and thunder. I love a good thunderstorm, and I never experienced them until I moved to the south. And you know, on a on a good summer night, um, really, it, it we have like the the two o'clock apocalypse is what I call it. And every day during the summertime, for about about four three to four months, we have these uh, these storms come out of nowhere, just as pitch blackness and for 20 minutes the trees are like blowing over and it's just like i feel like judy dench needs to be reading from the book of revelation you know just like or morgan freeman you know like dialogue as i look out there and i can see like lightning just shooting circles around the the sky and everything is shaking from the thunder and i love that it, it just it, it it makes me get on my knees and start repenting and like evaluating my life because i may not survive this storm uh that's all i had to say on that but I want to touch on the four living creatures, which Rob and Michael already did. And I, I want to specify to everyone listening, or differentiate, uh, I, I said that wrong, that these are seraphim, which are, um, I'm sorry, cherubim. These are cherubim, which are different than seraphim. A seraph, as we've gone over in weeks past, is, is almost like a reptilian. They're a, a type of... of lizard snake-like creature uh that that's a very foreign strange thought to uh many people but this is why uh satan is referred to as a dragon a serpent it's it's actually in line with his his physical his physique but here we see uh cherubim now in the book of ezekiel i'm going to put up pull up isaiah here because rob already talked about ezekiel but let's see what isaiah 6 1 through 7 has to say in the year that sovereign Yuziyahu uh, Yuz, died, I saw Yahuwah sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the uh, hekel, or the temple. That's a very popular verse. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And uh, I, I, I'm under the impression these are the same four that we have already seen in Revelation, also Ezekiel. And one cried to another and said, set apart, set apart, set apart is Yahuwah of hosts. All the earth is filled with his esteem. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe to me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the sovereign of hosts. Now this is kind of interesting because Isaiah's, uh, Yeshiyahu's response is going to be very similar to what we're going to see of Yochanan in the next chapter, when we, I, I believe we're still going to get to it tonight. And one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the slaughter place, and we move on from there. All right, I'm going to go back and just kind of glance over Ezekiel real quick, because there's one thing I do want to comment on that is very strange. So in Revelation, we learn that they, uh, there's, there's four of them, they each have a different face. However, um, let's see here. Ah, it's okay. I guess I'll just read the whole thing. I didn't want to, but I'll stop when I get to the point. And I looked and I saw a whirlwind coming out of the north. And I, I just comment there that the thought of a tornado, I'm assuming a whirlwind here is like a tornado. The thought of a tornado, looking and seeing a tornado coming after me uh, is, is a pretty terrifying thought. But to know that Yahuwah is in that 
whirlwind and he's about to take me away like again this shows just the the, the power of the most high it, it d displays his character and you know just being on my face like you know just totally limp as this tornado is taking me away uh, a great cloud with fire flashing itself. Okay, so now we got fire in it as well. And brightness was all around it, and out of its midst like glowing metal out of the midst of the fire. And out of the midst of it came what looked like four living creatures, and this was their appearance. Okay, so pay attention to one uh, particular point here. They had the likeness of a man, and each one had four faces. There it is. Okay, each one of them had four faces. So I thought that was kind of strange. I, w I was thinking about that a little bit. And the first thing that came to mind was i'm gonna drop in a picture if anybody recognizes this go ahead and shout it out or put it in there or i won't wait this is actually a scene from the never ending story 2 if anyone has seen the never ending story 2 um the, the person on the left there is called tri-faced unfortunately it's not four-faced it's tri-faced but he's a really like trippy character who um he keeps rotating his faces and he he keeps putting on a different face and there's three of them so it's not quite like these cherubim but i almost imagine when i'm reading the scene of i i can't help but think a tri face well here's here's why i think that they have four faces there's a lot of different theories on what these four angels do um it, you know in the past people um past documents and texts talk about how they're even responsible for like holding up the firmament i'm not so sure about that i'd have to see s solid scripture but um enoch chapter 9 1 through 9 has this interesting thing to say now these are the uh here there's actually five of them and this maybe goes in with uh the theory of what I think uh, Michael may have been t talking about, how they take shifts. I don't know if you were saying that for the 24 elders or for these angels, but here we see Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, uh, Suriel, and U Uriel. And the, the, the fifth wheel there is Suriel. Um, it seems like Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel are the four main guys that surround the throne. And it, here we're seeing their names identified. Well, look what they're doing. They said they looked down from heaven and saw the quantity of blood which was shed on earth and all the iniquity which was done upon it and said one to another, the voice of their cries, the earth, de uh, the earth deprived has cried even to the gate of heaven. And now to you, O you holy one of heaven, the souls of men complain, saying, bring judgment to us from El Elyon. Then they said to their Adonai, the king, Adonai, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, I apologize, ha, ad, oh, ha Adonim, Elohai, um, ha Elohim, Melek, ha <laughs> Melekim, the throne of your glory is forever and ever, and forever and ever is your name sanctified and glorified. You are blessed and glorified. You have made all things. You possess power over all things, and all things are open and manifest before you. You behold all things, and nothing can be concealed from you. You have seen what Azazel has done, how he has taught every species of iniquity upon earth and has disclosed to the world all the secret things which are done in the heavens. Um, and, um, okay. Anyways, that's all I'll read from there. And I, I, I should have had more verses because the, the context here is that these four angels are, they're actually standing before the throne of Yahuwah. They have seen the cries, have heard the cries of the earth. They have seen it. And they're like, why aren't you telling us about these things? We know you know all this. Why aren't you divulging it to us in your council? And 
this is why I think they have four uh, faces. We can do a whole study on these four angels, what their character, the qualities are, all the things they uphold. I think they have four faces so they can see in all four cardinal directions. Uh, so that they are, they're kind of like, they're, they're almost all seeing in a way, not like the most high is, but they see much. They're, they're able to perceive, like think of a, an eagle, right? An eagle is able to look like a mile down and see a little bunny rabbit in the moonlight running along. They have really good vision, but these angels have amazing vision, hearing all sorts of things, but they, they see at all times. They never have to turn their head. They can see all times in four directions. I think that's kind of a really interesting uh, way to think about them. But one more thing is we see these... Oh. Okay. Well, Clyde is not letting me put that up. Clyde the robot. Well, maybe he'll let me put this one up. All right. I got through the sensor. Awesome. So <laughs> here's actually... Uh, oh, man. I'm going to try this again because it was so awesome. It's not... Ah, I was blocked again by Clyde the robot. All right. Well, anyways, this is a flag of a griffin that we see these flags all over the world, these mysterious griffin flags. And I, I well, the, the one I was, the screenshot I was going to show was basically about 12 different variations of this flag. All over the world, we see this flag. It's a mystery. They're not told to us. This goes into our Tartaria research. And I'm suspicious that this griffin is uh, uh, displaying a type of cherubim. Um, so I, that's about all I have on that. And I have plenty more notes, but I'm going to hand it back to you, Rob and Michael. Or Rob. Okay, great. Uh, I had two points, and I just was listening to you, listening to you, and I forgot one of them. So. Uh, one of the things I just wanted to follow up on when I was doing the my search on the four living creatures, and I had to stop because there, like you said, there is a lot you can do regarding the four living creatures, the four faces. Uh, whether that that description of the four faced ones is the same as uh, these particular four here, I think it's very possible. It could be all different types. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, say that it, it, it is not so. So uh, one thing I wanted to add, and I know someone did ask the question in the chat, was regarding the wheels. And I'm going to hold that one off until we get to Revelation when, when these wheels are talked about at some point. But uh, yeah, when we're reading Ezekiel, it's talking a lot about the wheels, eyes on the wheels, and also eyes on wheels on the throne, etc. So that's another one that I know I do want to talk further on at some point uh, as we're going through this. Uh, the other, the other top topic I had, I cannot recall. So if I remember it, I will, I'll bring it back up. But for for that, I am done, and I'll pass it over to Mike. Um, I have nothing more to add on chapter four, so let Noel finish it. You know, I have more to say, but I think for sake of time, I'll just be kind of, um, you know. Um, I, I don't think it's that important. So, Rob, finish up any other thoughts? Oh, because that, I... Sure. Yeah, no, I don't have a whole lot on five. I had more on this one than five, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done for four. Okay. Well, then let's go ahead and read chapter five. Are we ready to do that? Yes, sure. sir. Okay. The Confidential Councils of Yahuwah, chapter five. 
And he who sat on the throne, I saw a scroll in his right hand, and it was sealed with seals on the outside and on the inside with seven seals. And I saw a messenger crying out with a great voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in the heavens or in the earth was able to open the scroll or to look in it. Then I wept exceedingly because no one was found who was worthy of this matter. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Look, the lion who is from the family of Yehuda, from the root of David, has overcome to open the scroll and to break the seven seals. Then I saw that amongst the throne and the living creatures and the twenty-four elders, there stood a lamb, like he had been slain. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, and they are the seven ruachot, or ruach of Yahuwah, sent into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, and in their hands were lyres and firepans full of incense. And this is the prayer of the set-apart ones. And they sang a new song and said, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and brought, bought us with your blood, and made us priests and kings, that we may be kings over the earth. Then I saw and I heard many voices of the messengers around the throne, and their number was twenty million. And they said with a great voice, The Lamb who was slain is worthy of power and honor and glory and praises. And all the creations which are in the heavens and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea, I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be honor and praises and lauding from everlasting and unto everlasting. Then the four living creatures answered, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and prayed to him, who lives from everlasting and unto everlasting. And thus concludes the reading of Revelation chapter 5. Back to you, Rob. All right. Uh, one thing before I start with my little image is on verse 13, what I wanted to ask, it says, All created things in heaven, on earth, and sea praise him. Is this literal prior to opening the first seal? So as I read this, it, it made me question, is this being done literally before the opening of the first seal? So everybody can ponder on that. But uh, I will, I'll go into my review of chapter 5 here, and I'll share this with the group. Okay, so on chapter 5, uh, I got six points on this one, and... A little bit more brief. The, the things mentioned in here is the scroll with seven seals on the inside and outside. All right, and and there's I've I've heard different views on that. There being seven on the outside and on the inside. So that is interesting. On depending on how you want to interpret that, if that is um, uh, these seals are broken broken as one, or if there's two separate breakings of them. So, that's something if someone has further insight on that, I've heard of it, so, but I don't, I, I don't know a whole lot about that. Uh, the one that was worthy to break the seals is referenced, obviously, as the line of Judah, root of David. And we, we see these references always uh, depicting Yeshua. So that is him, and, and it talks about the lamb, and also 
have been slain. So once again, another descriptor of the Messiah. Now, what's interesting is seven horns and seven eyes okay, on this lamb that, that appears to be, have been slain. The horns, what, what I understand the horns to be, is representing kings, as we see in this reference. Obviously, horns are horns of animals, but uh, you see it representing representative of kings. And I put relative verses where you can find that. And peoples, you know, nations and peoples. And something else interesting, when we read in Joshua 6, uh, verses 4 and 6, it talks about when they were marching around Jericho, you know, destroying the walls. It was, they, were, they had seven priests with seven horns before the ark. On the seventh day, marched around the city seven times. You know that whole thing uh, where we see the seven, uh, the seven horns. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. So I just wanted to uh, mention that regarding the horns, the seven eyes. Once again, they they equate to the seven ruach of Yahweh, uh, which equals the seven lambs before the throne. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. We read that in 2 Chronicles 16.9 and Zechariah 3.9 and 4.7 and 4.10, which discusses the eyes of the Lord roaming throughout the earth. And that is representative here of the seven lambs, which are the seven eyes, seven rocks. And then uh, to end this is with three, four, five, and six. I'll quickly go. Is the incense obviously equals the prayers of the set apart ones? We see here once again the twenty-four elders, the four living creatures are referenced as uh, referenced were made priests and kings to reign over the earth. So did anyone else read it that way? Because that's how I read that. So it, I'm very interested in, in that. Are they reigning now? Were they reigning? Will they be reigning, if that's the interpretation? And then obviously, 20 million messages and all created things praised him. That was just a, the high-level topics that I dug into on that. And I'll start with that and pass it over to Michael and we can further have dialogue. Sure. Thank you, Rob. Um, I'm going to read uh, number one, both of them. We'll start with the Greek. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. Written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. And in the Hebrew, confidential counsels. And he who sat on the throne, I saw a scroll in his right hand. And it was sealed with seals on the outside and on the inside with seven seals. And uh, if I, you know, I think Rob kind of mentioned it, asking the question. I, I heard a comment, or I read a commentary that said these were not seven writings, each separated by a seal, but seven seals all set upon one scroll. All the seals must be opened before the scroll could be read. So I thought that was interesting, um, that all the seals have to be opened before you read it. Um, uh, the cross-reference here, uh, I, I always go to Daniel, so Daniel 12, 4 and 9 through 10. But as for you, Daniel, keep these words secret and seal up the book until the end time. Many will roam about and knowledge will increase. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for these words will be kept secret and sealed upon, up until the end time. Many will be purged cleansed refined but the wicked will act wickedly and none of the wicked will understand but those who have insight will understand um the next thing is number two um and i i'll read the greek and i saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice 
who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. In the Hebrew, it says, I, I saw a messenger, similar, crying out with a great voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Um, you know, it, it's saying nobody was worthy. Um, you know, I've, I've read some stuff where, you know, we, we talked about each angel. There's seven angels in Enoch. Um, could this angel be Gabriel? Um, his name actually means strength of God. And so they're they're asking who is worthy to open this book to loosen the seals. Is it possible it's Gabriel? Just because of his name. Um, number six, uh, I'll read the Hebrew. Then I saw that amongst the throne and the living creatures and 24 elders, there stood a lamb like he who had been slain, and he had seven horns and seven eyes. And there were seven rukot of Yahweh sent all throughout the earth. Um, I just had to, had to go there, Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before the shear, so he did open his mouth. Um, just wanted to highlight that that's the lamb where he had been slain. Um, finally, and then I'll hand it off to Noel, number eight. I'm going to read both. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. In the Hebrew, and when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, and in their hands were layers and fire pans full of incense. And this is the prayer of the set-apart ones. Um, so I, I wanted to focus on the fire pans full of incense. I did some study on that. Fire pans, I believe the Hebrew is matot. I'm sure Ronit could uh, help me with that. Are list I just want to mention that they are listed as part of the tabernacle's accessories for, for the menorah and the altar. So we've we've heard about the ruach being the seven ruachs being a menorah. Um, so this is at the tabernacle with the fire pans full of incense. Um, they also play an important role in the stories of Korah's rebellion and the death of Nadav and Avihu as incense censers. Um, and then finally, just the uh, the cross reference I thought it was awesome. First Chronicles twenty five six, and all of these were under the direction of their father to sing to the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres. For the service of the house of God, Asaph, Jeduthun, and Heman were under the direction of the king. And uh, I'll leave it at that. That's what I got for the first part on chapter 5. Yeah, I wanted to touch a little bit on the incense, too. That's one of the things that really stuck out to me. Oh, might I first say that if for those of you who were around... Uh, this is actually episode 10, our 10th get-together for the Diaspora of Yashorel. And if you recall 10 weeks ago when we read the Gospel of Yochanan chapter 1, we noted that Yochanan the Baptist, John the Baptist, does not call Yehusha the Lamb of El who takes away the sins of the world in that book. And in fact, I think there was another reference where once again, uh, he is not called the Lamb of of Elohim. And <laughs> we were like, what's going on? Why is he not called the Lamb in uh, the Gospel? And I had made the comment that if, and I had no clue that they were coming out with Hebrew Revelation 10 weeks ago, but I had made the comment that if we read, if we ever get around to reading Hebrew Revelation and the Lamb is not there, I'm going to be like, what is going on? So I am very happy and thrilled to see that the Lamb has uh, has been maintained here, ha remains. And 
Michael, you had brought up earlier the mark of the beast. I will just say this now. I mean, we'll get, you, we'll probably all forget anyways in a few weeks, so might as well uh, mention it again then. But uh, reading ahead, uh, I was I was really happy to see that the mark of the beast, the number of his name is still six six six. I bring that up because you know they, the the scholars and whatever whoever these people are, they say that the earliest Greek. Um, text i don't even know how they claim one text is you know 10 or 20 or 50 years older than another whatever but they say that you know originally originally it was 616 and that the later documents uh changed it to 666 i think you guys have all heard that before i think it was 616 and uh but here we see it uh, maintained so all is in good order good standing here but i wanted to concentrate a little bit on the incense prayers and I'm going to do a, as you guys call it, a cross-reference. And this is coming from 3rd Baruch, chapter 12. And I can never find it when I want to. Oh, so this is actually in the fifth heaven. And once again, this is dealing with Michael. Michael is like a, or Mikael. He's, he's, a, he's a busy dude. He gets around. He's got a lot of uh, job duties. And... The context here is that Baruch is in the fifth heaven. Yes, there are seven heavens. That is my conclusion, not just one. When I came over to Flat Earth Cosmology, I thought, you know, there's the firmament and then just heaven right above that. And I wanted to point out, Rob, you had, you had mentioned here the uh, the difference between the two. Um, what does it say? All, the, oh, all creation. So in verse 13, it says, and all the creations which are in the heavens plural but in the king james just says in heaven and the king james does that often they define just heaven like almost like singular uh but it's interesting that it's talking about all the creations that are in the multiple heavens it's like they're stacked on top of each other so here baruch is in the the fifth heaven and i'll just read this chapter it's, it's uh eight verses it's pretty it's pretty short and as I was conversing with them, uh, the, I assume it's the angels he's conversing with, behold, uh, angels came bearing baskets full of flowers. All right. So the theme here is not incense, it's flowers, but there's a connection. And they gave them to Michael. So these angels are coming, they bring baskets of flowers to Michael. And I asked the angel, uh, Adon, who are these and what are the things brought hither from beside them? And the angel said to me, these are angels who are over the righteous, all right, the set apart, the sons of Yasharel. And the archangel took the baskets and cast them into the vessel. Almost like a, yeah, just like a big, um, I don't know if this is like a refinery or what this is, but in a big, uh, huge opening, like a, like a potter. I don't know what it is. And the angel said to me, these flowers are the merits of the righteous. And I saw other angels bearing baskets, which were neither empty nor full. And they began to lam it and did not venture to draw near because they had not the prizes complete. And Michael cried and said, come hither also, ye angels, bring what ye have brought. And Michael was exceedingly grieved and the angel who was with me because they did not fill the vessel. Um, so, I mean, here Baruch is saying that these angels go out, they collect these, these flowers, and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting thought because we had talked uh, in the past about, I think on Thursday night we were talking about the idea of stars, and Rob had brought up the, the theory that stars are a reflection of the righteous. 
And so here we see the same idea in the heavens. These flowers are popping up based on the righteousness or the works of the righteous. And on this given day, when Baruch went up there, uh, the angels were kind of sad because they went out flower picking and they didn't find much. Um, it's kind of a sombering thought. But it, it connects with this idea that these 24 elders, uh, maybe they're, maybe they're the, the disciples and the patriarchs, maybe they're other people, we don't really know. But it, it's, it's such an amazing thought that I, I lose track of sometimes that when we pray, that these prayers, if we are the set apart, the righteous, um, they, are, they are burning as incense in the, in the hands of, the, of these elders that are sitting around the throne. And that is such a you know phenomenal, awe-inspiring thought. And I wonder with this um, Baruch passage that if these elders go through the same thing. I mean, we've seen we've seen the four angels. They were grieving when they looked down at the earth and Enoch and saw all the terrible things that were happening. You have to wonder how often these elders perhaps grieve and be like, like today I don't really have any. Uh, smoke coming up. I don't have any incense burning in here. What's going on? You know, like yesterday was is so much stronger. Or last generation or whatever. So, uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Also, one more one more little fun notes is that for whatever reason he put in here twenty million. In verse eleven, he says, "Then I saw and I heard many voices. The messengers around the throne and their number was twenty million. I'm like, wait, what? Does it really say twenty million? And he has here in notes the the that, uh, where did he put it? That it is, oh, oh, here's what it says. That it should read 2,000 10,000s or thousands 10,000s. So why, how he goes from 10,000s upon 10,000s to 20 million is beyond me. I don't know why they chose to make that, you know, made that decision. I did look in the city of Osaka, Japan has 20 million citizens in it. So now, you know, back to you, Rob. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. The, the prayers of the saints. We've read where, the prayers of the saints is the incense before the throne, and it reaches the nostrils of the Most High. So these are the, the sweet savors uh, that that he he experiences from us, from our prayers. Our sincerity and our prayers is a sweet savor that's favorable to our Father. So it's a great imagery of how he's tied that in to what we're doing. You know, not this like slave master type of scenario, but it's it's a scenario where the things that we do have a impact and a favor to our creator. So, yeah, I just want to add that to it. Uh, outside of that, I mean, we can have a roundtable discussion on specific topics, but uh, I didn't have anything further uh, what I had said earlier. And the only other thing that I do want to touch on is uh, when we were talking about the uh, the living creatures and the twenty four elders made priests and kings, and I and I did want to see if anyone else had a comment on on that to reign over the earth. For this, anyone else could uh, see into it. Sounds like they are to rule in some capacity, in some way. So, 
Yeah. Uh, outside. Yeah. Really quickly, Rob, what verse was that again? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, um, okay, it's verse 10. Would you like me to make a quick comment yeah. on that? Okay, so yeah, starting please. in uh, starting in verse 9, I'll just read 9 and 10. It says, and they sang a new song and said, you are worthy to take uh, the scroll. Now, these are the, the four living creatures and the 24 elders. Okay, so the 24 elders. Right. And they... And they sang a new song and said, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. You were slain and brought, uh, bought us with your blood and made us, and so here's the key, uh, and made us priests and kings that we may be kings over the earth. And this comes from, this idea of priests and kings originates, let me see if I could think of this because now I'm on the spot. Um, okay, it comes from... Exodus 19.6. Well, it comes from a, a lot of places, but this is one right here. Exodus 19.6. Originally, at Mount Sinai, uh, Yahuwah had intended to make the sons of Israel a nation of kings and priests. And uh, as most of us, or maybe all of us know, they actually rejected that. They didn't want to. And then we see later on in history, they want to make kings over them. And that wasn't his will. It's like, no, I don't, I don't want you to, I, you know, I wanted you guys to be the kings and priests to rule with me. And here we see, and you shall be to me a reign of priests and set apart nation. Those are the words which you are to speak to the children of Yasharel. So he's speaking to Moses here to, to repeat to them. And of course they rejected that. Now in this context here, Rob, I think my, my thought on this is that this shows uh, my theory that the whatever happens uh, in that generation that Yahusha promised that he would fulfill things in that generation, that uh, there is his kingdom, which is ongoing in heaven and has been since the creation of the world, that he has had his kingdom in heaven. And these are our prayers, right? That the kingdom of heaven would come to the earth. But um, I, 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 because I do now conclude, or all my evidence has pointed to the fact that, that, his kingdom was ushered into the earth for a thousand years, literal physical reign, that that actually happens at a later time down the road, about 500 to 700 years later, really 500 years later. But you see, you see that here, that it's like, they're not going to come in and be kings yet, uh, but they, they will. It, it seems to be, again, I just lost track of the verse, but oh, uh, that we may be king, kings over the earth. I don't know. Hopefully, I'm not reading that wrong, but that seems to yeah. be the emphasis there. It's not. It's not today. You guys aren't going to be kings today, but it's coming, and they know it's coming. It's going to be soon. Yeah, yeah, and that's the, that's the question of the timeline. Go ahead, Michael. Just real quick, just on this particular verse, then you can take over. Um, so it it appears to me, and I could very well be wrong, that Yahuwah wanted everyone to be kings and priests, and then it was the Levites who were the set apart ones. Um, and then we go into the New Testament, there's all these passages that we will become kings and priests. Um, is there still going to be set-apart saints that are kings and priests? And if so, what are the other ones going to do? And um, I, I tend to lean that way. So when I, in my studies, like, you know, everybody, you know, I remember Skibi used to say this, all means all, all means all. Um, but to me, all means is defined by the person speaking. So if we're all, if we're at Noel's house and I say, let's all go, go to dinner, am I talking about everybody in the world or am I talking to a specific people? Um, so that's how I would get around that. Because I see the Bible set apart and then multitude. Um, so yeah, that's all I got for that.
Yeah, it makes sense. Glad for the dialogue. If you come to my if you come to my house, I cook you dinner. I don't we don't go out to dinner. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right, yeah, that that was it for me, Noel. I'm, I'm done with chapter five. What? What? Any comments? Okay, go ahead, no. no. Well, Michael, you can finish it up. Otherwise, I was going to say, let's roundtable it. Uh, sure, yeah, I have a few and five. A um, few left. Um, a new song at number nine, so I want to read about that. So, I love this. So, and they sang a new song, and he said, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and bought us with your blood. And... Yeah, uh, you know, I have affinity. I study. I've, I studied the 144,000 Revelation 14:3, and they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures. Keeps going, um, and no one was able to learn the song except the 144,000 who were purchased from the earth. So the let's, let, the people who are singing the song are not the multitude; it's the 144,000. And you know, you know, if you guys have been following along, you know I'm a numbers guy. I I see codes throughout the whole Bible. Wouldn't you know Psalms 144? Psalms 144.9. Yahuwah, I will sing a new song to you on a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises to you. Who gives salvation to kings, who rests his servants from David. Um, and it keeps going. But I just I think, thought that was so cool that the 144,000 are the ones singing the new song. Psalms 144 talks about them singing a new strong, song on a harp of ten strings. Um, I was going to comment too, but Noel did a better job as far as the 20 million. Um, but I did want to do the cross-reference because I, I do think the Greek is cross-referencing Daniel 7. Um, so I'll just read that. Uh, I kept looking until the thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took a seat, or Yahusha. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His th throne was a blaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out before him thousands upon thousands were serving him and and myriads upon myriads were standing before him the court convened that's awesome the court i know Noel and i always like to bring up the court the u.s court and the books were open um i'm interested to see if there's a you know, i'm sure there is a targum daniel and see if it has closer number to 20 20 million because the masoretic talks about the thousands upon thousands and that's what I got. So I guess we can roundtable it. Yeah, and thank you for making that correction too on the hundred forty-four thousand because they're the ones that in we haven't gotten to them yet, but they're the ones that are promised uh, several times, maybe a dozen times. I mean, all throughout the rest of the book, that they're the ones that are promised to be reign as kings and priests uh, with Messiah in His kingdom on the earth. So yeah, thanks for um, correcting that. And Yes, we're going to roundtable it now. Does anybody have any observations themselves? Both on Revelation 4 and Chapter 5. Um, how I've recently come to see it is the 12th. So after the, um, you know, the, the apostles all go out and spread the gospel, basically calling the house of Israel, um, back to repentance after, you know, he's been there preaching to the house of Judah. Basically, you know, warning them about the destruction of the coming destruction of the temple. So my current understanding is that <clears throat> the 12,000 from each tribe are the ones that returned to the covenant before 
the temple was destroyed. And so those are the 144,000 that made it to the level of kings and priests in the millennial kingdom after the destruction of the temple. That that is my understanding as well. I mean, that's the what I'm going with. That the uh, you know Rob Skiba used to talk about the Ephraim awakening, and uh, he would he talked about it as though that prophecy is being fulfilled now. Um, but I, I see that happening in the the New Testament era when the disciples are going out to gather the lost tribes or the lost sheep of of israel and yeah that that is actually my theory that i'm working with at this time as well that the 144,000 um are are literally the the 12 tribes 12,000 from each tribe that have come in um come back to a covenant with the most high again so thank you for sharing that was good uh, Michael, you you look like you were going to say something. Feel free to <laughs> shoot me down with your machine gun. Uh, that's that's totally fine. No, 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 no. I was going to agree with you guys, but um, uh, I wanted to say too. Um, so you know, everybody's into this seven thousand year timeline, and a day is like a thousand years, and the hundred forty four thousand are first fruits, right? So. And they're, the, in my opinion, Philadelphia is them, and they're saved from the hour of trial. Um, there's 24 hours in a day. But six days times 24, it's 144. So it's 144,000. That's, that's what I got on that part. Do you guys like the numbers as much as I do? <laughs> it's awesome. I like hearing what you get out of the numbers. I can't follow it always, but it's interesting. Don't don't all come at us with once, guys. Don't rush at us. Stand in line one at a time. Yeah. Did anyone type any questions that were above that we missed? Uh, I know usually someone will drop questions and we may not address them as we're speaking. But please uh, let us know. Um, I have a question, maybe to the the group. I mentioned my very first note in this chapter was the commentary that said, these were not seven writings, each separated by a seal, but seven seals all set upon one scroll. All the seals must be opened before the scroll could be read. Now, whether that's true or not, I, I'm going to go with it for this po point. But, you know, all, all the astrological teachers, you know, they're like, oh, my God, we're just in the second seal now. And then 30 years later, it's the next seal. Is it possible all these seals were right in a row? What do you guys think about that as far as the timeline? Yeah, well, we haven't gotten into. I think next week is when we're going to be delving into the the seals. Um, and so I'll, I'll be commenting more on that next week. If anyone else wants to comment this week, but because I haven't really, I need to freshen up of my studies on that uh, just to make sure I'm not, you know, talking out of my uh, caboose. But um, but yeah, I'll, I'll cover yeah. that next week. Yeah, my initial thought right now, Michael, is that we got two options that I see with scriptures. It could either be like uh, Moshe with the plagues, you know, they happen sequential, or it could be, uh, uh, what was it, in Esdras? One of the apocryphal writers, prophets, wrote 
uh, about the end times that people won't recognize the end times because the events that are happening are are happening in such a way that it's it's they're all overlapping. So it's hard for one to distinguish uh, when these events start, expecting them to be in some kind of sequential order. So that's one of those two ways uh, is where I'm looking at it right now. And as we look at this, that's the kind of lenses I'm going to be using. Uh, people are asking questions about the difference between beast and preachers. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, the connotations that I get when using the word beast compared to a living creature, uh, a living creature, I would take it as a, an, a sentient being more so than a beast that would be more animal-like in that, in that, in that connotation. But that's, that's what I get initially without looking at the Hebrew words and digging into yeah. it. Yeah, I really, I really appreciated the fact that it said creatures here because that's what they are, they're creatures. It's, um, it's, it's what I, it never stuck, but I, I used to, I tried to call it the blue zoo uh, because we look up and we see, you know, the, the, the blue up there and the firmament is a, a, a bluish color and, you know, all the creatures that are up in it. And, and so I like the idea that these are distinguishing, even though they're, what we would call cherubim, they're like different creatures uh, within that, I guess that species or whatever. And um, and that's the set aside or, or contrast the idea of a beast, which my understanding, because I refer to the government all the time as the beast, is a beast is um, how the Most High sees the governments of the world. You know, is this this hideous, grotesque, um, you know, monstrous creature, and uh, coming out of the the earth or the the land or the sea or whatever. So that's why I I, I like that the beast is removed here. It just clarifies some things. So can I say something? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, in Hebrew, um, he's not using the word creatures. Um, creatures. Um, Creature in April would be um, a derivative of create from the word creation, creature. Um, so it would be bow or boim. And um, he's using actually um, chayot, which is the plural of chaya. And chaya, uh, you can translate it um, as an animal or a, a beast, depending okay. on the on the context. So, is it the same? Uh, is okay. So, it could be an animal or beast. Is it the same word that is used for beast in can other? You, can you direct it, me to that verse? Send me to that verse, and I look at it. Well, like in the Book of Daniel, for example, if you're reading the Hebrew in the Book of Daniel. With this word that you just read in the Hebrew in Revelation chapter four and five, would that um, would that cross over to the beast of Daniel? And maybe you don't know, but I'm just curious if you do. No, I mean I can open uh, I can open the book. Um, I just need to. I I think okay. it's easier for me to do Revelation because it's in front of me. If you tell me 
Right. Okay. Remind me the verse in Revelation. I look and I'll tell you what he's using, and then I'll. Well, but in the Bible, we don't have. Um, so when you think like, when I hear beast in English, I think something like a monster. Am I correct? That's yeah. what you have in mind yeah. when you say beast. Okay. So we don't have that word in in a, in a in the Bible. We don't have the word monster. We just have the word animal. Okay, well, the, the beast of uh, Daniel in chapter 7, I think they cross over to chapter 8, but the, the vision of the four beasts can be found in Daniel 7, verses 15 through 27. So okay. if, you're able, if and, you're able to look that up. And in regards to Revelation, it's chapter 4, verse 7. 4, 7. Yeah. It mentions the four living creatures, and then it also describes. Well, um, he's just using the word chaya or chayot, which is um, an animal or animals. Okay, so all right, so would it be? Do you feel that it's unfair then that uh, translators, like in the Book of Daniel, would call them beasts, or they, should they call them animals? Or maybe perhaps the reason why they use the beast that's referenced like an animal is because they I, they, uh, they have animalistic appearances like an eagle, an ox, etc. And and it does say they're human human like in in descriptors. Uh, so would they be a humanoid with an animal head with wings? Or what do you guys think? Yeah, I think that, yeah, like if I were to translate it, I would probably translate it into creatures just to stay neutral and not to put my own, because um, creature is a neutral thing. It can be a, a monster or it, it can be a saint, right? It's, it, we are all, we, we were all created. So, uh, so you, so you feel that maybe this translator of Revelation was fair to call them living creatures? Yes, absolutely. But okay. I just wanted you to know that it, the Hebrew is very, um, it doesn't have, like the biblical Hebrew doesn't have a lot of, uh, usually it has many words that can express the same thing, but not this time. This time they just have the same word and, and some of them could be a beast, and some of them could be, you know, more angelic creatures. Uh, praise Yah with Psalms just asked a really good question. She said, is there a Hebrew word for chimera, or would it just be called an animal? Like a cross, like a cross species animal, like a, 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 pig, a pig monkey. No, it would still be called chaya, like animal okay can you remind me what you said daniel it was daniel 7 uh it was daniel chapter 7 verses 15 through 27 i believe okay and so i'll pull it up here so Verse 17 says, these four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. And then he goes on, of course, there to describe the verse 19 says, then I desire to know the truth about the fourth beast. 
and it just you know describes them all throughout. Yeah, and regarding the Revelation four seven, the four yes, so, descriptions, uh, I just dropped in a picture of the eagle, the one with the eagle head with the wings. That could be a good fit for that descriptor. But go ahead, Roni. Sorry. Um, so he, but Daniel is also just using the only word that we have in biblical Hebrew, animal. However, um, he attaches a lot of adjectives to it. So he's saying it's a horrific, um, like a scary, horrific animal. Like he's using uh, superlatives, uh, negative superlatives to describe it. So it's it's not the kind of animal you want to befriend. Yes, it's not a pet. <laughs> okay, it, it will make you a pet. <laughs> yes, the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah, but everywhere I'm looking, all over Daniel, he's just using the same word, chaya or chayot. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that input. That was really good. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. As always, uh, does anyone else have any uh, thoughts on Revelation or the confidential councils? I I I do have a comment about the confidential councils. I've been wanting to share it with you. Sure. So um, the word um, sod, so the plural for sod is sodot. Right, and um, so the translator, when um, for one reason or another, the, um, su suggests that the name of this book should be um, El Hasodot, right? And the translator, uh, translator understood it as secret, right? So I just want you to know that in the Hebrew Bible. The word sod can be can have two meanings. One meaning is secret. The other meaning is congregation. And out of the 23, I think either 21 or 23 times that this word is used in the Old Testament, only twice it means secret. The rest of the times it means con congregation. Um, so I actually think that uh, if, if any, El Hasodot would be, this is the book that is um, addressed to the congregations because oh. El is two. two. So to the congregations, and that's how he starts. He starts by speaking to the the seven different congregations right right that would contextually that would make a lot of sense that yeah. it's not so when you said secret it's the same thing as confidential right so instead of the confidential yeah. councils it would be the i don't know how you would word that that uh the, the council to the congregation yes yeah okay. that's what really it means okay that's interesting yeah that's pretty good I think I think we need to get you in contact with. Uh, I think the translator, the main guy's name is Justin something, but uh, I feel like I need to. Get, <laughs> we need to get you in contact with him and get him on his on his team. Yeah, no problem at all because uh, I I didn't mention my story to you, but I I was raised in a in an Orthodox environment, so from age four. 
um, and on, you know, I studied the Bible and I studied the biblical Hebrew and Aramaic and uh, two more types of Hebrew. Um, so I am very knowledgeable. That's why I'm like, like and anyone else from Israel might not be able to contribute like this because they didn't, they weren't raised in that environment. So, um, yeah, I would love to help. I, you can tell that I enjoy this. Okay. Th yeah. Thank you again for, for, uh, your contribution. Yes. Thanks for your input. Awesome. Well, is there anybody else who has anything? Rich has a question. Okay, well, Rich asked, uh, uh, it said, Pamela made me think of a question I have always wanted to ask. If Eve's name is uh, Shava or Hava, uh, I wonder why I never see her actual name anywhere. Are you, are you, what do you, what do you mean by that? Because, um, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what, what the question is. Maybe Robert Michael can answer that, but, but in the, in the Hebrew, for whatever reason, uh, maybe I'm answering this wrong, but for whatever reason, be it the Latin, the Greek, the, the translators thought it was a good idea to, remove the Hebrew names and give them the equivalent of the Greek or Latin names. And uh, this is why, for example, you don't see Yahusha. You see Jesus everywhere, or Jesus, uh, or I guess Jose in Spanish, right? Um, and it's the same thing with, with any number of their names. They all have different names. Um, you know, Enoch is, uh, was it Hanok? Uh, uh, Isaiah would be Yeshayahu. Um, you know, James would be Yaakov. Um, let's see, uh, Lazarus would be Eliezer, right? So they all have different names. And if I'm answering this wrong, uh, forgive me. But my thought on this is that the, orid the original translators of Scripture, um, I do believe that they there was an agenda. I'm seeing an agenda that they were trying to de-Hebrew eyes scripture they were trying to pull it away from the yahudim from um hebrew thinking and give it a greek overload uh overhaul something that the locals could identify with more which you know if you're trying to sell uh hamburgers that's a great idea uh from a corporate standpoint you know if you're if you're building a franchise but in terms of actually getting people to understand what the bible is saying i think it's a terrible idea also you know i'm not a sacred namer i don't believe that salvation comes by being able to pronounce the name of the most high correctly because if so then i'm screwed um however it, it, it can be said that you know um I don't know if your name is Rich or Richie or or, or whatever, but you know, if somebody's name is is um, you know, if a woman's name is Barbara, and I'd be like, "That's nice, Barbara. I'm gonna call you Betty or you know Betsy," and she'd be like, "Stop calling me Betsy." I'm like, "Well, what what you're like, you know what you're like above this, like you know, like I want to call you Betty," and that may seem kind of silly, but the reason I try to pronounce their names properly, like instead of Eve, uh, Hava. Um, if I, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, is at least I'm trying my best is because I'm trying, I want to respect and honor 
their actual names. I want people to call me by my name and not just call me, you know, just make up names for me, right? Like, I'm not going to answer them if they're going to just make up names. And so I think we could show respect to the Most High, to his son, uh, Yahusha. If you think it's Yahushua or Yeshua, um, I think if we're doing that out of, like, our uh, our heart issue, trying to research the best we can, I think that's, you know, I think that's the way to go. Um, yeah. That's just yeah, my, no. two, my two cents. Yeah, and I want to follow up with you on that. Is another another thing is the the translators by removing the actual pronunciation and, and at least the transliteration of it. At least they could have done that so that it can be phonically spelled at least in the, in the language that they're that they're translating it in, so that you can speak it. Because they're they, one of the things that's going to be missing is is the meaning of the names uh, if you know, names mean mean things. So it, it's it's another thing that is lost in translation, so to speak. So why I don't know. It worked out that way, but totally, I, I totally miss out. So we would miss out on so much by not recognizing what the names in the scriptures actually mean. When you read, and I wish I knew Hebrew because when you read the Hebrew, you you can read and pronounce uh, pronounce it, but also know what that word that name actually means and it, it gives so much more meaning to what you're reading yeah